Welcome everybody to the Night Watch Games podcast. This is season three, episode two, in which we pursue the answers to the question, what is happiness? Why do we pursue it? And to explore that concept, we have the infamous Dan Norris. Glad to be here, Porik. How are you? I'm doing great. We got the podcast up and going again. We calculated that it was over a year that we've done the last recording. The main reason we haven't recorded is mainly COVID. It's almost safe to say that that's in our rearview mirror. What do you think? I'm a big believer that we're going to see it again, but we just won't respond the same way that we've we've responded in the past. Lessons learned? Lessons learned. I think, uh, you know, if you actually wear a ring from uh, a relative who died in the uh, influenza epidemic. And if you go back in history and you see them wearing masks and everything else that they had to do, slowly it changed over time as society learned to adapt to it. So I don't see any reason this will be any different. This will be the same. I I found it very interesting that when COVID as an epidemic was on the down and people started returning to the table and gaming, there was a palpable appreciation Mm -hmm. for what that was. The people seemed to treat other people in a gentler way. Time was more valuable spent because they realized that on a turn of a dime, it could all be taken away. That's right. What's your experience with gaming? Oh, gosh. It's... uh old. <laughs> so uh, probably mid 80s is when I got into it. Uh, the I remember seeing this uh, red or no, it was a blue box called Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And it was the expert edition, you know, being arrogant at the time. I thought, well, I'll get the expert one instead of the basic set. And of course, I had to go back and get the basic set. <laughs> but I, I fell in love with it. So my early years were um, mostly role playing. And, and I, I did that for a long time. But but my true love has always been in the uh, uh, tabletop war games. So I, I still remember being in this uh, little shop in Flint, Michigan called Writer's Hobby Shop, probably 1988, 1989. And I saw this book called Rogue Trader Warhammer 40,000. And I lost my mind because it said you could have orcs in space. Blew my mind. And, and that, that's what got me into it. Now, I'm more of a fantasy guy, but that was, uh, that was my initial hook. Can you articulate what about that genre is your draw? I love role-playing, but um, just as a practicality, I don't have a lot of time. I travel a lot, and I'm sure everyone out in in the listener land who's done this, it's always better when you have a regular group that you play with. You know, so I had a group. We played Harn Master for like seven years straight, (laughs) you know, and, and, uh, you know, many other games. But I I couldn't really get that. So I would do a little bit here or there. But the, the tabletop games, especially... The Games Workshop allowed me to have those experiences with amazing people um, in a short period of time. And I could always pick up and go, and it didn't have to have the same people every single time. I could take it on the road with me and uh, play people I never even fathomed I would meet. Do you find there's a common denominator among Games Workshop players? You know, I, that that's a great question. I think... Um, the, the piece that seems to bind us together is that unity of wanting to be with others. 
So there is, with technology, there's a myriad of games that you can play by yourself. And I've certainly played video games where I've lost track of time. And um, But at the end of the day, it, it, to me, we've been sitting around fires for millennia, sharing stories and building relationships. And I think for the Games Workshop players, the majority of them, you know, there's always a couple of carnuckles out there, but the majority of them really want to have that connection, want to have that brotherhood, want to have that familial relationship. And uh, it's a great way where you can get together as friends and have a mutual purpose. And so, but there's also a hobby component. So if I'm not with my friends, I can paint, I can model, I can craft. So it really itch, you know, scratches a lot of different itches in my, uh, my world. Do you find that the hobby element is springboarding off of that social component in that when you're painting your miniature, you're like, oh, Joe's going to love this. Or mm-hmm. this next match is going to be awesome because of my color scheme and my opponent's going to respond to it. Are you motivated by the external when you hobby or do you find that the process itself is just enjoyable? I think I want to say it's the process, but if I'm honest with myself, it's the approved. I mean, um, <laughs> shout out to uh, my dear friend, Brian Stry. Um, I mean, just the other day, I, you know, I picked up some terrain. Actually, it was a box that you had up here on your soda machine for years. It's a big Citadel Castle. So that thing's been passed around like a doobie through the community. And so uh, we've never had the opportunity to have the money and get it. So we got it now. And so Brian and I are sitting there laughing, talking about how amazing it's going to be to have this finished. You know, in addition to other terrain sets, we're doing this Necromunda thing. And so we're, we're terrain nuts. And part of it is when you have all of the terrain out, you have all of those miniatures. It's just, it, it, it's an escape. It brings you right into the game. Inherited, and you can yep. take pictures that you remember. And uh, I mean, it, it's as goofy as it sounds. We have stories of games that have become legends that, yep. that have uh, evolved over time. And, um, you know, many friends still here and gone or memor- memorialized in all yep. those. What we've discovered here at the store is that people tend not to remember the game itself but they definitely remember the people that they played it with. Yes. And the story tends to revolve around the personal interaction over the table with the game being the the lubricant for that interaction. Yes. And the memorable moments are what the other person did or said, but not necessarily what the dice did or said. Right. And there's probably exceptions to that, but I think the majority is we remember the people. Right. Do you find that the same? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, um, you know, the the gaming club that that I, you know, part of, our our whole mission is building relationships, uh, you know, sharing fellowship and creating memorable gaming experiences. Yeah. And so you'll notice it doesn't say Games Workshop. It doesn't say Warhammer. It doesn't, you know, because it doesn't matter what that is. It's it's that fellowship, you know, that uh, I think people are sorely missing these days. And so we have a lot of people that come into the community that, you know, they just don't have a vehicle for making those connections. And our society has become so technology driven. It's hard just to go meet people. Um, Nightwatch Games had a a soft motto for a little while. And that was that we solve problems. Seems Mm -hmm. like a really strange motto for a game store. Uh, But what we realized that a majority of people that come into the store have a problem. And that problem is they're looking for a a game or a product and we are the solution in the sense that we make it available for them to buy and therefore we're solving that problem. That one's easy. Several people come into the store on a daily basis 
because of a totally different array mm-hmm. of problems, uh, social problems, divorces, uh, laid off from work, doing poorly in school, uh, you know, really serious things like uh, domestic violence and, and sexual abuse and all sorts of things that can get really significant. Uh, we found it very interesting that they would come to the game store for that solution. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're not licensed professionals or counselors or anything, but we prided ourselves on being part of that solution. Um, and networking and people getting connected over gaming, I think, is a good healing mechanism and we really responded as Nightwatch Games to your organization is because we have seen firsthand people with problems come in, interact with your group and they leave with a smile on their face. Mm-hmm. And that's solving profound problems. That goes way beyond retail or just gaming. It's really kind of a profound humanitarian effort. Are you conscientiously aware of that impact that you have as an individual and your club has as an organization? It's intentional for us to do that. And and we're imperfect beings. So I, I, I really appreciate the compliment, but it, it, uh, it, it is a challenging endeavor that we go off of. And I, and I love the fact that you have a model like that, because I think people forget about purpose. And, and I really believe gaming can be a purpose and, and, and it serves many. I think one, in addition, like I, cause I, I, I resonate with everything that you just said, but I also think society has forgotten how to do restorative rest. You know, we don't really have a Sabbath anymore. It's 24 mm-hmm. seven, you know, you don't, you don't just go to work and, and then you leave and you don't have to think about work anymore because work goes with you with your phone. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I think we're over-focused as a society. If, if, if you think about it, there's all sorts of research, research that shows that focus limits us. And so for me, uh, in, in, you know, the amazing people that are in the club, you know, the Tyler Rabs and, you know, the, the Dawson's and the Brian Stries and, you know, Resta Solo who's with us, Mighty Tom. And, you know, all of these, these people, we intentionally wanted to create an environment where if it was Brian Stry or myself or somebody else, that they felt welcomed and in and they were able to have that respite. They were able to leave their troubles for the day just to become whole again. And, and, and it sounds silly and it sounds, you know, goofy, but um, that is a very intentional part of the Sons of Slambo. If you think about it, so many of us are wandering through life just burdened with woe. I mean, you know, where uh, I got yelled at by my boss today or I've lost my job or I have, you know, I've got, you know, problems with my family or whatever else. And so. What can we do to create a community that's that's a surrogate family where at least once per week or, or more, I mean, whatever suits you, um, that you can come in and just feel safe and be yourself and not have to worry. You know, we spend so much of our lives trying to be other people and putting on these masks of who we're supposed to be at work and the duty that we have to play as parent or, you know, husband or wife or, or anything else. Well, here you get to just be you. And while we're gaming, everybody else is taken. So just be you. Yeah. And it's okay. We don't care if you're trans or what, you know, or you, you, you grew up in a place like Flint, Michigan, God forbid, <laughs> those souls, or anything else. It's just we're going to greet you in whoever you are and as you are. That's, that's very much the same as Nightwatch games and our approach. So I, I think uh, 
we as Americans are grinding at our nine to five jobs and that seems to be consuming a majority of our time. What, what are you doing personally to transcend Dan's personal pursuit of happiness? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a deep one. So, so I'm going to give you two different answers. Um, one is a quote I think about quite a bit, which is uh, joyfully participate in the sorrows of the world. Wherever we put our focus, whatever we focus on, ultimately pre- preloads it with importance. And so think about an argument you've had with a spouse or a loved one or a friend where it's trivial in the moment. You know, it's like, I want the salt and pepper shakers on the table. I don't want them out there. I want them put away. And you have this big argument about something like salt and pepper shakers. And then you walk away and you come back and you're like, what the hell do I even care or give a shit about the salt and pepper shakers? Well, whatever you focus your attention to preloads it with importance. So if I focus on the suffering that I experience in my life, I'm going to experience more suffering. If I focus on more gratitude in my life, I'm going to experience more gratitude. Mm-hmm. And so I think part of that is 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 looking at um, you know not trying to create a world in my mind that I want, but creating the world that is and in trying to be as truthful with it, but then finding a way to find to, to eke out that joy. Whatever it is, however brief it is, and how can I create it for others? And, and that's that's something I don't think people think about. They usually think uh, about themselves. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm no guru, but I, I, I fall off the drive. I am an imperfect human. But we don't think about giving people kindness. You know, it's 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 like uh, you know, money. We we think, well, you know, I can't give any money away because then I can't feed myself. Well, the irony is, is if I could give out as much kindness as I want and I'll never run out. I can give as much patience as I want and I'll never run out. I can give as much compassion as I want and I'll never run out. And those are the things that are truly precious in life. It's not the the, the time that we spend at work to, to get our mortgage and all those other things. You know, you can't buy the precious things in life. You can't go to HEB and say, hey, tell me what aisle dignity is in. And so I think that's part of it is to, is to say, okay, well, how can I joyfully participate in the world around me, regardless of the sorrows? I think the other part is, at least for me, is, is taking some truth serum and saying, you know, what is my highest and best use? Because I think a lot of times we get, oh, I want the corner office at work, or, yeah. you know, I want to be the, the king of the club, or I want to... You know, whatever those things are and in, okay, that's fine. But what is, what is my highest and best use? And so, you know, for me, and this will sound really cheesy and corny. I'm, you know, I'm in the training world, but for me, it's, I help people see, and it's not, I have the view of the world, but what I mean by that is I'm really good at asking people questions to rethink things or look at it from a different angle. And if somebody comes in like uh, here, so if the Sons of Slambo are having an AOS night here at Nightwatch Games, if somebody comes in and is rude, well, all of a sudden now you'd be like, oh, well, that guy sucks or he's, he's not, you know, well, I don't want to game with that guy anymore versus, well, what do you think is going on in his life? What what made him or her show up in a way that was terse and angry or resentful? Maybe he has to poop. 
Maybe he has to poop, <laughs> right? You know, maybe it was something we did. I had garlic food before I got here. That could probably turn somebody off. But but how do we how do we reframe it so people see things in a different light than they otherwise did? One of the the, the core inspirations of my life is my wife Judy. And so, you know, she's really active in the homeless community and, uh, you know, does, does other charities. You know, I've been really active with uh, Clarity Child Guidance Center, uh, you know, children with mental illness. And I would love to help out more with those. Not necessarily, uh, you know, be in charge of it. I, that's fine. <laughs> you know, but, but more often, I would love to help them with their influencing messages. How can we, how can we get people to see things differently, especially areas with stick, uh, you know, stigma? Mm-hmm. Uh, and with the homeless community, it's getting people to even notice that they're there. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of folks that, um, you know, they, they, they won't see them. And so how do we, how do we get people to reframe how they look at, at the homeless? Uh, because if we could do that, then we can probably reframe how we treat society. And, and so many of them are amazing people. I'm, I'm always struck at how many of them are veterans, people who fought for us that, you know, now are cast away as society and we won't, talk to them because they're unhoused expendable resource it seems yeah yeah which yeah. is super sad so I, I would love to help out with that and i would love to game a lot is there a meshing of the two? Oh yeah and, and it's been that way for years so we had um <laughs> you know a long time ago in a galaxy far far away um a group of friends here uh started doing uh, uh you know a version of 40k called apocalypse where instead we would bring out our entire collections of painted models and play and so uh you know we we did that here locally uh for uh, what we call the battle of Rin's world and so it was you know todd rumbach and uh oscar barella and myself reed andrews brian stry and mighty tom ferris and then we went wow that was a lot of fun let's do it again and so we did it again. And now more people want to be part of it. And then more people want to be part of it. And so the next thing you know, we're, we're built this thing where people are coming from all over the state. And then we got people in the United Kingdom that wanted to play along. And people in Australia. So the game would start in Australia, move to the UK, and then come here. And so uh, for us, you know, we're talking about it. We're like, we, we've got all these people who are coming in to do good you know, to have a great experience. Why can't we tie this to charity? How can we create more purpose with this investment? And so we started raising thousands of dollars each event for Clarity Child Guidance Center uh, and other charities over the years, like Hurricane Maria and Hurricane Harvey and some of the others. And what's the name of that event? That's called Port Maw. And uh, um, it, uh, we took the name out of an old Battlefleet Gothic book. <laughs> you know, we just said, what a cool name. And uh, we made it a narrative event where you could get points in the months when we weren't playing for posting pictures of what you painted. So we're, we're always big on ha- playing with painted models. So yeah. we wanted to create um, a mechanism that rewarded people for painting uh-huh. and celebrated people for painting. They don't have to be great at it. Just did you do it? And then the other side was writing narrative stories that, um, you know, became themes for the next battle and the next battle and the next battle. And so it kept people engaged all year around. So there was that point when you realized that, as Spider-Man's uncle and aunt would say, you had a power. Mm -hmm. And therefore you had what you perceived as a responsibility to use that for the greatest good. Correct. 
Yeah. Um, are there any numbers that you know off the top of your head of of the good that has come from Port Mall? Oh, we've raised ten, tens of thousands of dollars awesome. over the years. I, I We may get close to 30000 but I have to go tally it up. That's great. And, it, and it's not just from Port Mall, but we did other charity events along the way. So I'm just looping those all into one. That's amazing. You know, none of that money that was raised would be possible without Nightwatch Games or other stores here in town like Dragon's Lair or Heroes and Fan or retreat or you know name it there's a lot of them that aren't even here anymore um you know that that were key to it and and it certainly wasn't just me there there was a lot of other people you know john bailey along the way he he would help us fund the saint joseph's hall to do those events brandon um is is running uh the majority of it because i just don't have time anymore There is a wake created behind somebody that has uh, a drive. And that wake is quickly filled with people that wish that they could be the driver, but they don't have the time or the effort or maybe the leadership skills and whatnot. But they're quick to support trailblazing type of personality that's out there making new things happen. And I find that the gaming community is full of of those very, very supportive people that either through their own limitations, uh, they just don't have the initiative to to cut the brush first, Mm -hmm. the trailblazing type of persons. Uh, But the second thing that you've said is that it is almost impossible to seek happiness by yourself. Mm -hmm. It has to be through connections, uh, that make it possible for you to pursue your happiness, the happiness itself is infectious. Right. And that your yes. happiness is causing other happiness, which is causing you more happiness. And your motivations and your momentum is really built from this this churning of, of joy, right? Mm-hmm. And that's sort of where the image of the wake comes from. I see this this boat going through the misery of water of life. And behind it is this void caused by your happiness that people are sucked into, uh, the human pursuit of happiness is not a solo journey. There's no evidence that anybody is striking out on their own and earning all the money and all the freedoms that they want and pursuing their dream, that they're not involved and networked and Mm -hmm. connected and influenced by and influencing to. When you're seeking your dream and you're pursuing your version of happiness that you have to understand it's going to involve other people Mm -hmm. and not to shy away from that, but to lean into it. Without a doubt, 2015, um, Brian Stry, Mighty Tom Ferris and myself are in the cul-de-sac outside of my house. And it's during a time where if you're familiar with the Warhammer hobby, we call the Rage of Sigmar. They moved away from eighth editions of the previous Warhammer model and came out with this completely alien, different rule set, which we fell in love with. We thought it was amazing, but the majority of the community just outright rejected it. <laughs> I had friends in, in you know, my old gaming group, a lot of friends that I don't see anymore because they were just so locked into this. <laughs> they got into fist fights. I mean, it was ridiculous. Wow. You know, anytime that there's a failure or something unpopular, uh, you know, people react a certain way. Like if it's a success, Every success has a thousand fathers and mothers. Everybody's part of it. I remember I gave so-and-so that idea. 
you know, I told Brenda and Porig that they should put the restrooms on the right and not the left. <laughs> and so that's why Night Watch Games is successful. So you have that, but you also have every time that there's a failure or conflict, it's an orphan. Nobody wants it. So we're out there and we're talking about how much we love the game and all the beliefs that were out there that, that just weren't real. I mean, um, people would come to the game. I mean, it was hilarious, Pork. People would say, I, I played Age of Sigmar with the intention to break it and I figured out how to break it. Well, imagine masturbating with the purpose of breaking it. I'm sure you can break it. But what if your focus was, how does it work? How can we have fun with this? So one of the things that we decided to do is all three of us invested in buying terrain and these Citadel gaming boards that we brought here for years, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, to set up and, and to have everything facilitated. So if somebody came in, they would have gobsmacking, beautiful terrain to set the stage for a community that people wanted to be part of. And so that's a lot of the origin of Sons of Slambo. You know, we called it the Azur plan. <laughs> you know, and, and it, I mean, I could still see us all sitting outside the, uh, uh, you know, the cul-de-sac leaning on Tom's car. And, and sure enough, that's what we did. You have totally succeeded in the mission of making Age of Sigmar a cool, cool game to play. Well, you're very kind. It is now uh, obviously a global movement. Uh, what other things are happening here in San Antonio that are empowered by the game. There's a uh, gentleman who only dabbles in the hobby now. His name's Jonathan Napick, but he was uh, doing what we did in Austin, trying to, to, to get everybody going. And he heard about an event in Dallas, and this is years ago, right when Age of Sigmar was still pretty unpopular. Uh, and he went up there and met a whole bunch of folks in Dallas. And what that did is it connected all of our communities. And that became the genesis of what we call the Texas Masters series. And so there's uh, there's Matt Taylor and, and several others in Dallas who have a club called the Dallas Defenders. There's the uh, you know Houston, which is uh, I mean, crazy. They have they have some of the best players in the in the world, like Gavin uh, Grieger, who's who's the number one player. Super nice guy. He's been here several times, and in Zach Kennedy and Kyle Valdez, and and uh, there's just so many cool people out there. They have two different groups. There's the uh, uh, Grand Alliance Houston and Harambe's Heroes. <laughs> they're they're just the best folks. And then in Austin, we have the Austin Weird Knobs. You know, so we've we've got uh, Jeff and uh, you know. Matt Robish and, and so many others that, that are there. And what we've done is, you know, we, we've got connections all throughout the state, is we decided to link grand tournaments in each city to a final master series that happens annually. Now, the pandemic got in the way. We got to do one full season, and then we had to pause. But we're now on the, uh, the end of almost our second season. Next in line is here in San Antonio, and it's called the Slambo GT. You know, and and besides the obvious connection to our our beloved club, um, we use Slambo as as a symbol. A lot of people who weren't familiar with the hobby, that was one of the really early Citadel Games Workshop models, and so older players would come to the table and see it and go, "Oh, that's Slambo." That's Slambo. And then people who were in Age of Sigmar, they re-released it right after Age of Sigmar came in, so there was a new Slambo model. And matter of fact, uh, for those of you who've ever been here at Nightwatch Games or some of those events, and you hear people yell Slambo and then everyone else yells, that genesis happened here at Nightwatch Games. Because what would happen... <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it, it's, uh, that, that, cry, that battle cry is all over now. It's been cried in uh, the UK, uh, you know, at Warhammer World. They, they were, some, people were sending me messages 
because they were hearing it at Adepticon. And they're like, you're here. And I'm like, I am not there. I swear to God. You know, and a matter of fact, Reddit even said, well, maybe we should change it to Age of Slambo. So, so, but, but I tell you that because, um, you know, that, that, that connected the old gamers to the newer gamers. And so that became the symbol of not only our club in this game, sorry, but we, we actually have set up, set this up. So every time you go to a tournament or even a local event, as long as you have eight players or more, those points are calculated. And then there's an invitational event at the end of the year. And so Slambo this year, just because of the calendar, is the last major event. So we've got people coming in from all over the United States and Canada. So Seasons of War, for our, our people out there like to watch battle reports, they're coming in from Canada. So we're going to be telecasting the, uh, wow. yeah, the, uh, the the top table. Um, and we've got uh, Harambe's heroes are currently the masters of the roost. So they're kicking everybody's butt. You know, uh, I, I die a little and throw up in my mouth when I say it, but that's the <laughs> truth. I love those guys, but God damn, they, they spend all their time practicing. So they're, uh, I don't. Is there a charity associated with this? Yes, event? there is. So anytime, like we were talking about earlier with Port I mean, uh, if you're bringing people together, we want to do charitable fundraising. What we're doing is having a charity raffle at the event. And you don't have to be part of the tournament to be part of the charity raffle. Pork, you have been super generous in giving some prize support. We've received some from Dragon's Lair. I think Hole in the Wall Hobbies has committed some. Good. You know, we're looking around, but uh, we're hopeful to, to raise several more thousand dollars for Clarity Child Guidance Center. One in five children in Texas actually suffers from mental illness. And there's a stigma attached to it. And a lot of uh, places where they can't get funding yeah. uh, and so we've been able to help raise that to get you know kids and their family the treatment they need do you find that the competitors within the gt are are focusing on the competition or is it still very much a community let's meet and greet and play and laugh and have fun uh very much um those things aren't mutually exclusive. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, to some, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, well, we were just talking about Adepticon. I, I didn't go this year. Um, when you'd walk over to the 40K side, and no disrespect to my 40K friends, it was like tense and angry yeah. and, you know, it was this musk-filled room of, <laughs> of, of, you know, tension. A lot of and you walk into the AOS side, um, people were genuinely having fun, enjoying each other. Even if you were getting absolutely waffle stomped, yeah. the sportsmanship, the quality of the painting, you're having a great time. Yeah. And yeah. so, like, well, I mentioned Gavin, and he is extraordinarily clever on how he thinks through gaming. But he also spends a lot of time with sportsmanship. So if he's playing a newer player, he coaches them through the game, and he doesn't take advantage of them. And, and you know, and, and that's just, Gavin's not the only one. Um, you know, we all do. And, and, and part of it is, if we're creating memorable gaming experiences, we have to own that and people are coming out to that that competitive event how are we rewarding people for sportsmanship for painting and most critically if somebody doesn't show up with that mindset how do we redirect them yeah how do we have that conversation you know i always love it when the weird knobs come down from austin to play us because they're they're always like i cannot believe you guys get to game here every week (laughs) you know and it's like well yeah this this is here you know and there's other places that we game in town i mean it's not to slight any of the others but yeah you know it's this is for adults i i love it that there aren't children running around because i get to be dad somewhere else you know i don't really want to be dad here we don't really think about the aspect of love in business 
Oh. You know, you, you can develop love for your customers and your customers love for you and love for each other. I mean, you guys have really done a good job capitalizing this, if I might say so. I mean, everything from some of the sadder events, like, you know, the, the funeral that we've had here for yeah. Tom, and I know you've done others for other groups too, and yeah. marriages and those types of things. Well, now... Now you're talking about familial love. You're talking about fraternal, you know, and friendship. And, and we don't think about that. I mean, if you go back to, you know, when our, our fathers were our age, or our grandfathers were our ages, you know, you had, uh, you know, the Masonic temples or the, the Moose Lodge or the Knights of Columbus and, you know, all these different communities where people would gather in a, in a social way to be together and to express love with each other and, and to enjoy these memorable experiences. Well, we're no different now. It's just, it, it's just we have more options. So there isn't just a couple of games in town. It's, you know, people, um, you know, they're into fitness. There's all these different fitness places they can go and become part of a CrossFit cult. Or in our case, we like to play with toy soldiers and push them around the table yeah. and laugh and joke with each other. Do you think that the far maybe the near future of a game store is that profound community that transcends retail? Oh, I, I, yeah, I, I just, uh, I think the more you can get there, I like, I'm, uh, cuckoos for Cocoa Puffs with the idea of you guys being able to serve food. Yeah. You oh know? yeah. Um, We're so ready for that. But it's, it's just to have that, that community and yeah. hang out, Yeah. you know, after game discussions are sometimes some of my, my favorite parts of the yeah. event. But, but we're social creatures. We, we benefit um, from being together. I mean, that, that's, that's how we've been physiologically designed for millennia. And so I think we lack nothing because we just we fill ourselves of what happiness should be. I should have the corner office. I should have all the friends. I should be the prettiest or the most handsome. And then it's always based in the future. You know, well, when I get this, I'll be happy. When I have this success, I'll be happy. When I make this amount of money, I'll be happy. When I have this car, you know, when I have this fully painted army, then I'll be happy. And, and the reality is, is the moment you have that, you're already looking at your next thing. And so the other piece of, you know, lacking nothing is it's all about our beliefs. I am as happy or as miserable as I think I am. Like, you know, Pork, think about this. I mean, you ever had a scenario where you're having a bad day? And uh, all of a sudden you find out somebody you know died. And you go, oh, my God, you know, it's terrible. I'm going to go home and hug Brenda because, you know, hug, hug your loved ones. You never know how long you're here. Well, that change happened like this. Yeah. The only thing that changed was your focus. In the beginning, you were focused on all the problems and the suffering and the challenges and the turmoil. But then when you saw that tragedy and you see how trivial that is. Then we focus on the most important things, you know, and of, of our loved ones and our friends and our family. And, you know, you, you, it, so, so I, people often go like, oh, if I do all these things and then I'll be happy. And it's like, well, no, you lack nothing. You already have the capability to do it. But, it, but it's an intentional choice. How could somebody be happy that they got fired from their job? Mm. Well, they could be really happy they got fired from their job when they didn't like the job in the first place. Right. We yeah, we're empowered already with the happiness, and we're just distracted with uh, the human condition of what we 
don't have. Sure. Which is so easy. Yeah. And, and I don't, um, you know, a lot of times when you talk about this too, you know, our, our, our friends who suffer with chemical imbalances and things of that nature, absolutely. It's more difficult for, for those of you, you know, so I, I think sometimes when they hear the, Hey, you, you lack nothing, you can do it, it. It sounds flippant. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't mean it for that. Yeah. If you got a serotonin imbalance, you got a serotonin imbalance, you know, it's just like you broke your arm, you broke your arm. Um, you know, but, but it, but it is, it's, it, I think another way to look at it too is, is contrast in comparison is the source of most of your suffering in life, but it's also the source of your happiness. I mean, it, it's, um, there are always going to be people who are lesser or greater than us and people who have more or less, you know, but, but what is that comparison? And, and I think we get locked into, well, if I had what he or she had, then I'd be happy. Or if I could do what he or she did, then I'd be happy. And, and it's, it's, it's really, you're focusing on the other things. It's like, based on what I have, how can I, how can I cultivate gratitude for what I have? I think part of being joyful is accepting sadness and accepting grief and, and accepting all those emotions. We, we want to have this idea that we're going to be happy all the time. And, um, I just, I just don't see that. And so I think the more authentic and, and that you can be and open you can be, um, it just lets you be more joyful, you know? And so if, if, if you're, you know, I would like to think that the people I'm around, if they feel that they can just be themselves and they don't have to put on airs, then they'll be more joyful. Yeah. And that's going to make me more joyful because yeah. I don't have to pretend to be somebody else. Yeah. I can just be me, you know? I mean, that's, that's really it. And I, and I think the other thing is, is, um, I think of my granddad too. He's uh, I, you know, my, my grandfather Norris was amazing, and uh, one of the things he would say to me when I was little, and I didn't understand it as much back then, is if I was really pissed off, he'd lean over and he'd whisper to me and say, "Wherever you go, it's just like this." And then if I was beyond the moon happy, he would lean down and go, "Wherever you go, it's just like this." And, and, you know, and I didn't get him. I was like, well, how could I be pissed off over there? And it was just like, no, it's like super happy. But as I went, it was like, you know what? What he was pointing out to me is that it was whatever I was focused on. You know, for me, if, if I, I derive a lot of pleasure out of letting other people be happy and, you know, joking around with them and, you know, even just telling people you love them. I mean, we don't do that a lot in society and we wait till they die, which is just excuse me for swearing fucking absurd it is yeah you know and and that's one of the things with sons of slambo we try to do is is you know even in the pandemic years which is probably crazy you know hugging people and telling them that you love them time to time make it weird you know i mean because you never see people at work going you know what my supervisor gave me uh you know sincere genuine appreciation and told me love me i'm fucking quitting never hear anybody say that it's always man i can't believe that you know i work with people who truly love and care for me and and so why should we be ashamed of it or shy of it in our own personal lives or in the gaming communities that we want to create the reason being is like for for our workplace is we find people who will in some cases accept a lower pay not like we're trying to pay them lower but they like i quit this job and you go what were you paid and they're like oh my god you know you gave up 10 grand to be here and it's like well i wanted to be with people who care about me so i think whether a store owner or and this even goes for you know those those of us um you know when we look at the people that are in gaming communities people are going to come in and out of our lives 
and um, some of them will be our tribe. And there will be some people that you think are on your tribe and have been on your tribe for years that aren't really on your tribe. You know, uh, uh, everyone in a, in a weird way, everyone's beautiful and everyone's broken. And sometimes that causes you to drift apart. There are gamers in this community that, you know, used to be tight with, I mean, take them to the hospital and things of that nature. But for a, a weird political view, they've decided to, you know, cut ties. And it's like, well, you know, it hurts, but okay. And, and, you know, you can either be resentful and go, well, what's wrong with them? And, you know, why did they reject me? Or just say, you know, I love you, but I'm going to love you from a distance. And, yeah. and good luck to you. You're, you're not one of our tribe. And we would love to find somebody who has the same beliefs and attitudes and values. And if that's you, man, you're going to have a hell of a great career here. If that's not you, okay, well, you're probably a passing, you know, individual in our life. And so as long as it's equitable, that's fine. But you're probably not going to be here for the long term mm-hmm. and be okay with it. The pursuit of happiness or acknowledging, as, as you've stated, Acknowledging the happiness that is just waiting to be acknowledged oh, yeah. through perception and uh, what you're focusing on is really an empowering mm-hmm. interpretation of what we're all about. I started the podcast with the idea that we, we were pursuing this thing off in the horizon mm-hmm. and that you didn't start with it. You had to go get it. Uh, I have to now reevaluate my whole podcast, Dan, because <laughs> I, I mean, a metaphor to think about is it's a lot of times we're standing in a river of joy, just dying of thirst. You know, we're, yeah. we're you know, we're, we're allowing our happiness and our well-being to reside in the heads and the hearts of others versus ourselves. Right. All we have to do is kneel down and take a drink. But a lot of times we don't want to do that. We want it to come to us. We want to force it to us. This is great. Uh, so. Uh, the lesson learned here is, guys, you are happy. You just don't even know it. <laughs> so go be happy. Um, this is Pork and Dan Norris from Night Watch Games Podcast. I'll talk to you later. <laughs>